Brothers and sisters, our scripture this morning comes to us from the book of Acts chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 9. If you would like to follow along in your own Bibles, that's awesome. It'll also be on the screens behind me. Let us receive God's word for us. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. This is the word of God for us this morning, so we give thanks to the Lord God Almighty. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, indeed, we give you thanks for your word and uh, for the wisdom that is contained therein. Lord, we thank you for the chance we have to gather together, uh, to study it, to learn from it. Lord, we pray that, uh, that you would uh, use this time to shape and form us uh, and, and prepare us for, uh, for, for the days ahead whatever, whatever uh, may be. Lord, we pray, God, that you would open our eyes, that we would see, our ears, that we would hear. Our eyes that would come to know and understand your word and your ultimate will open our hearts, that we would feel its power. Then bright by your grace, I ask, oh God, that you would open our hands, that we would uh, faithfully offer, offer grace to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Over the course of this year uh, at Covenant, we have been uh, intentionally focusing uh, ourselves on what it means to be rooted in Christ uh, so that the love of God would, would permeate uh, the, the very foundations of our lives so that we might be grow, grown in strength and in truth. Uh, and so uh, we've, we've centered our attention on Ephesians chapter 3, verses uh, 17 and 18, and, and it says that, that, that the power of Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith uh, and uh, that, that, that we pray for one another, that we would be rooted and established in love. And that through that, through that rootedness, we would then have power together with the Lord and God's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how deep and how high God's love is for us. You, you see, these roots uh, that, that are planted in the love of Christ allow us to be strong. And so over the course of the year, we begin by looking at what has God set us to? What is our mission? What have we been called to do and to be in this community, in this world? And how does that define our actions and our work? And then as we move forward out into the world, we've got to be sure that our, our, our soil, the soil we're planted, it is cultivated and it's tended by God as the gardener and that that is, that is essential. And then it moves from there into this circle. Su- 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 Excuse me, summer series, say that, 
summer series uh, where we focused on what it meant to be nurtured uh, with the spiritual disciplines of the faith. And somewhere along the way, uh, I began to feel the tension rise. Uh, so, so maybe some of you subconsciously felt that tension rise as well, uh, which was why? To what end? Well, to what outcome are we pointing ourselves to? Uh, it's great to be rooted and to deal with the soil and to, and, and to invite God to be the one that tends it and to nurture that. But, but what is the outcome? Is it all for me? Is this just a selfish intention that, that I do these things so that I would be better, so that I would be strong? And, and the answer is clearly in God's word, no. No, it's so that we might bear fruit for the world. So that we could receive an incredible harvest of righteousness. Not just our own, but righteousness in the world. It's the fruit that we have been pointing to. And that effort continues now as we dive into what the fruit of the Spirit are. You see, because when you're rooted, you have the fruit of the Spirit in your life. So, do, you, do you know that text, the fruit of the Spirit? Uh, in Galatians chapter 5, there's the fruit of the Spirit, there's also the fruit of the flesh, and we focus in on what the fruit of the Spirit looked like. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's nine of them. Nine fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so over the course of this next nine weeks beyond today, we're going to intentionally focus on each one of those so that we could see how God's fruit is born out in our lives and what it means for us to carry that harvest to completion. I, I, I sometimes think back uh, to what the earliest memories I have are. Have you ever like tried to do that to think how far back you could remember? How far back can you remember? Like I want you to process through that in this space. And, and sometimes the, the easiest way to get to the earliest memory is to think of a really early memory and ask yourself, can I remember anything before that? And then ask yourself again, can I remember anything before that? And then again, anything before that? And, and, and the reason why I think it's important is because if you could remember something like super early, I think it's typically because there's something powerful in that memory. One of the memories I have that, that, that's early that's on the way back is me riding my, my, my big wheel. Y'all, y'all, if you're old enough, you know what a big wheel is. It's a tricycle, and you pedal on the pedals, and you steer on the, on the steering column. And, and if you turn it real hard and kick it backwards, you go, Foom! like that. Uh, okay, so that was just me. Awesome. So I had a big wheel, and I remember, like, like the, the, the driveway so I could time stamp it, and I know how old I was. But I could remember back further than that. And, and it was probably when I was in my older toddler years. And um, you see, my parents, they, uh, we lived in China, Texas, which is uh, on the way to Beaumont, uh, just past Sour Lake, uh, itty-bitty town. And, uh, and I remember uh, that, that my, my older sister and I, we would wake up uh, early in the morning, and we would run into the kitchen. It was the first place that we wanted to go, and it wasn't for the food. We wanted to go into the kitchen because my, my mom and my dad had, had put in the east window that was over the, the kitchen sink uh, all of these crystals. And the, as, the, as the east sun rose, uh, the light would shine through the crystals. Some of you know where I'm going. They'd shine through the crystals, and it would put rainbows on the ground all in the kitchen. 
And uh, my sister and I would chase the rainbows. We were fascinated by the rainbows. We thought the rainbows were awesome. And my mom, after after she uh, woke up, she would open the window, and that would allow the crystals uh, to, to blow in the breeze in the window. So you had the breeze coming through the window and the east sun rising, and it's, sh- it's shining rainbows all over the floor, and the rainbows are now dancing on the floor of the kitchen. And my sister and I would chase them, and we would see if we could get rainbows on us. And we would pester each other because as soon as like she got a rainbow on her, I would steal her rainbow because I'm that kid. And, uh, and I, I would take her rainbow. And one of the interesting things, though, is my parents didn't just buy like a stock bunch of rainbows that were all the same shape and size. Whenever they bought these, uh, these crystals, they bought crystals that some were short and fat, some were long and skinny. And some were more like, uh, like diamond shaped, some were more oval shaped. And so they had all of these different shapes and sizes, which meant that the rainbows shining through on the ground were all different shapes and sizes. No two of them were the same, actually. And so all, all, all of the rainbows, of course, had the rainbow colors, right? Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. All the colors were there. The colors were the same, but the shape and size of those colors was different. I think it's kind of like that with the fruit of the Spirit. But because some of us, we think uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And we think, oh, I know someone who's like super good. That person is so good, I'm not good. Or... I know this person, she is incredibly faithful. Her faithfulness is inspiring. I'm not really faithful. Or I know this person that's got patience like crazy. Like like no matter what's going on, they seem so calm. How do they do it? I wish I was patient. But that's not how the fruit of the Spirit works. You see, uh, whenever the light of Christ shines through us and and the Spirit of God is in us and these fruit come out of us to shine forth to the world, we have all of the fruit of the Spirit, not just one, not just a couple, and and, and just because someone else has a certain fruit shine through them a certain way doesn't mean that you don't have that either. You see, when it comes out of you and the Spirit of God shines forth, It is distinctly through you. It's going to be a different shape, a different size, just as God has made you unique in that way. The fruit of the Spirit is essential for us as Christians to acknowledge that all of these belong to all of us because we are all, as Christians, baptized by the Spirit. You see, but whenever we think about the Spirit, we, we, we come at the Holy Spirit with this false assumption. We think that, that once upon a time the Holy Spirit wasn't, and then someday the Holy Spirit was. Typically, we think about that with Acts chapter 2, Pentecost. We, we, we read Acts chapter 1 today, and so you're wondering like, uh, whoa. Normally, when we think about the Spirit, we think Acts chapter 2 and beyond. But no, 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 no. The, the Holy Spirit, you know, has a eternal presence that continues on for all generations 
You see, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, at the very beginning of all of creation, before there was anything, and there's this formless, chaotic void, it says that the Spirit, this Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, hovered over the waters. And then in Acts chapter 1, verse 2, what we read today, and by the way, I don't think it's a coincidence that it's chapter 1, verse 2, both times over. In Acts chapter 1, verse 2, we hear now that the Spirit of God is a part of the instruction that Jesus is giving. Jesus doesn't give instruction to his apostles outside of the working of the Holy Spirit. How awesome is this to know that the Holy Spirit always has been, is, and always will be. That's what we believe as Trinitarian Christians. But the fruit of the Spirit also has an eternal gift. And and we have a particular participation in this. And Jesus wanted to be sure his disciples understood this. So in Acts chapter 1, whenever Jesus begins teaching, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, Hey, uh, I I have a command for you. Uh, I'm about to ascend into heaven. I'm here in my resurrected form. I'm about to ascend into heaven. And whenever I ascend into heaven, I want you to know that, that I have a gift for you. So I need you to stay in Jerusalem for a few days, and after a few days, whenever you're in Jerusalem, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, a, it's a very particular way of putting it. He says, John the Baptist baptized with water, and I baptized with the Holy Spirit. So you're going to get a baptism, and this baptism is going to be transforming for your lives. And, and the language here is really beautiful. He didn't just say you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. He says there's going to be a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And whenever we refer to John, it points to a particular kind of baptism. You see, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, would baptize uh, people in the Jordan River whenever they wanted to repent. Okay, So baptism in John's world was by water in a flowing river. And so as someone was baptized, they would go under the water, be fully immersed. They would would be uh, subject to the movement of the river. And flow where the river would take them and then be lifted back out. And so that kind of image is supposed to be there for us whenever we think about baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because whenever we receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. We're covered by it. We submit to it. And and then wherever the Spirit leads us, however the Spirit flows through us, whatever the Spirit is going to do by producing fruit in the world around us, that is how it works. It's a powerful thing to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. And each and every one of you who have professed your faith in Jesus Christ have this baptism spiritual gift. You and I, all Christians, have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And there's all sorts of stories and acts about people coming to faith and then receiving this baptism of the Holy Spirit and how it moves and transforms their lives. I pray that transformation for your lives as well. You see, but the disciples didn't get it. The disciples didn't get it. As soon as, as, soon as Jesus tells them, you're going to receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit, all they heard is that Jesus is going to leave them. All they heard is Jesus is going to ascend into heaven. And they start getting all kind of wonky about that. And then they start talking about other things. They say, oh, okay, okay, okay. So you're going to leave us. Tell me what you mean by that. Tell me about your kingdom. Tell me about the second coming. Tell me about when you're going to return, when all things will be fulfilled. And Jesus is like, whoa, you're missing the point. I just told you the the, the most incredible news that you're ever going to hear. You are going to receive 
the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and you're distracted and looking in other places. And so all of the time you have should be focused on that. And so he's very gracious to them. Sometimes when Jesus' disciples miss the point, as we often are known to do, right? Uh, he's not so gracious. Sometimes he's like, you know, does a little teacher finger waggle at them. But this time he says, look, look, I know you want to know about this. I know it's really important. You want to know when, when all things will be fulfilled. But let me tell you this. That's for God to know. That's for the Father to know. It's not for you to know. I'm sorry. But if you still have your Bibles out, I hope you will underline that. It, the, those of you that have been with me a while, you know that I really like the small transition words because a lot of times Jesus has something big to say whenever he has that transition word. In verse 8, in verse 8, Jesus says, but, but, I told you once, you missed it. I got to tell you again, but hear this, hear this, when the Spirit comes, so, so, so here's what Jesus did. Jesus thought, I told them this awesome thing, maybe they didn't realize how awesome it was, right? Maybe they just thought it was like kind of awesome, so now I'm going to tell them how incredibly awesome it is. And so he says, but here's what's going to happen when you do receive the Holy Spirit. It is a spirit of power. It is a spirit of of power. It means whenever you are baptized by the Spirit, you have a power that you've never had before. And then secondly, secondly, it says, and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I want to talk about those two things, about the power and about the witnesses. You see, whenever we have folks join the church, or whenever someone comes to be baptized and we ask questions, uh, we ask three questions that are the anchoring of our profession of faith. And the first question is this. Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? And I want you to know that every time I answer that question, yes, or I do, I do it with fear and trembling because it is the most awesome answer that you can give because there's a confession in there. Renounce wickedness, reject Evil, repent of sin, evil wickedness and sin all around, all in, me. So how am I going to do this? So I say I do knowing and trusting that second question is coming. And when that second question comes, it says, do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression, whatever forms they present themselves? You can't answer question one without knowing question two is coming. You can't answer question one faithfully without knowing that it's God's power by the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as we read in Acts chapter one, that you can't answer question one. You are made righteous and are able to repent of your sin and to walk in the way that leads to life because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And just as Jesus gives instructions to his disciples through the Holy Spirit, so we receive power through the Holy Spirit and receive his instruction in our lives yet today. That's the Lord communicating with us, blessing us, instructing us. And then we're witnesses. Many of you have heard me talk about this uh, Chapter 1, verse 8, you'll be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And, and we've talked about it almost uh, in, in prophetic terms that Jesus knew that the, the gospel uh, would, would message would go ar around the world. And that all through Acts we hear about how the gospel expands not just in Jerusalem but in Judea and Samaria. And then we see it uh, multiplying out to the ends of the earth even to us today. But I want you to think about it in, the, in a different way as well today. 
I want you to think about it in this way. That it's just proclaiming a fact. That everywhere, at every time, in all places, whenever you've been baptized by the Spirit, you are a witness for Jesus. You are a witness for Jesus. You're a witness for Jesus in your home. You're a witness for Jesus in your community. You're a witness for Jesus in your workplace. Whenever you encounter people that don't like you, you're still a witness for Jesus. Whenever you go to places uh, on vacation and, and, and you're trying to get away, guess what? You can get away from a lot of stuff, but you're still a witness for Jesus. Amen? Uh-huh. All right. Uh, at, everywhere you go, at all times, no matter what, when you've been baptized by the Holy Spirit, you are a witness for Jesus. Power, witness, the baptism of the Holy Spirit at work in us. This is the fruit we have. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let the light of Christ shine through your life and let that Spirit, the Holy Spirit, shine forth out into the world so that in your own shape and size, God's glorious promise will be revealed to everyone you come in contact with so that his glory would be known in and through you because of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Gracious God, we do give you thanks and praise for your word, for the wisdom that's contained therein. Lord, we thank you, God. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, uh, for the power we have in your Holy Spirit, Lord, to do things that we thought impossible. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit, for the witnesses that we've become. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit, uh, that, that, that there is fruit to be had in following you. Not just fruit in ourselves, but fruit in others that we come in contact with, Lord. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. And we pray, God, over a blessing over this series that as we explore the fruit that you have for us, God, that you would do a mighty work of, of power in us and in the world around us so that all that is done would bring you glory. God, as we continue in worship and we enter into this time of offering, I ask your blessing over this offering, over the gifts and the givers as well, Lord, that, that all that is done in this space and this time as we offer a portion of what you have blessed us with uh, would be uh, given to the kingdom-building work of your church. Lord, we pray that more and more would know the name of your son, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior, through the, the working of these gifts. And we pray, God, that as these givers give, Lord, that you would bless them with the joy that is experienced in generosity. Lord, we celebrate uh, the working of your spirit in this time, in this space, and ask your presence in Jesus' name. Amen.